spent a couple of weeks um, uh, a while ago just talking, uh, the last few weeks, just talking about getting out of the spirit out of the spiritual shallows of our life. It's the deep end calling us that it's really easy to just do shallow Christianity, you know, show up at church when you're supposed to, sing the songs, listen to the message, go home, and and then that's virtually it until next week. Uh, but we said that the shallows, that that will never keep you. That that won't keep a teenager engaged for long. Uh, when, you know, university comes up, when other things come up, if there's no deep connection with God, it's so easy to find yourself dragged out of the shallows into, into other places, into other things, and, and then later on wondering, how did I get there? We've been designed to have deep, um, a deep, uh, meaningful relationship with the Lord. And so we gave you some uh, tips on how you, can, how you can go deeper. One, we said, read scripture for yourself. Don't just trust that what people are saying here at the front is, what is, is truth. Take, take a, um, a chance to open that, uh, his word and to read for yourself. And I'm excited by those who have joined us reading through John and now through Acts. Even welcoming some that just joined yesterday. Thanks, Jesse, for that. Uh, joining a Bible study. We said, too, if you're in a group of people, man, it's amazing at how much you grow when someone is there asking you, hey, what did you do with what we learned last week? Boy, you, uh, you grow in a, in a big way. Serving. For those of you who signed up to serve, whether it's here or somewhere else, working out what God's worked in you. Man, it's amazing how you grow. But then we said last week, there's things that hinder growth as well. And so we talked about this idea of suffering and how suffering can be one of those things that uh, either causes us to not trust God, not trust his goodness, or it's something we just lean into and realize, God, I know your hand is not causing this, but I'm grabbing onto your hand as you carry me through this. And I will go one day and one step at a time in your strength each and every moment. And I know many of you, Many of you are experiencing some of that tough stuff. And for those of, I even just love Rhonda's prayer request this um, online this week, just at the end, just putting scripture uh, as going through a, a really difficult time. And yet in the end, in his joy, Rhonda, I, I just am inspired by that. And thank you for that. You inspire me as much as I hope that uh, Holy Spirit inspires you through me as well. Um, so we wanted to look at one more thing tonight, and I keep saying one more thing. I don't know. We'll, we'll end this going deeper when we get to heaven. So how many of you played hide-and-go-seek as a kid? If you didn't, you missed out on like kid funtivities. Uh, hide-and-go-seek was great. I remember the old joke about the skeleton they just found in a tree. It was the 1967 uh, hide-and-go-seek champion. Um, but uh, some are great at hide-and-go-seek, and then there's some, are not, some that are not. Uh, <laughs> I saw this kid, and then there's like, there's more. I think these are some of somebody else's kids. I just love that hiding in a clear box. That's just great. It's <laughs> great. And then our pets get in on it too. <laughs> you know, and then there's variations. Like my kids, we used to play hide and go scare because it's just more fun when, they, when you find them. They scare you. Or as youth, they made up um, sardines where you can just, you know, as you find people, you just pack into that, you know, wherever that place is. It's probably just so teens can touch each other, but whatever. Um, <laughs> variations of all of these games. And, uh, you know, as, as Jesus followers, I think we are sometimes tempted to play a, a, a thing I would call um, hide or seek. Hide or seek. Uh, and that game's been around for a long, long, long time. Adam and Eve are playing it in the Garden of Eden. You know, as we take a look at his words tonight, um, you know, Adam and Eve had what I think most of us uh, wish we had. And, and uh, you know, just strive for or believe that for is, is that um, the desire to have a walking, talking relationship with God, where you could see him or his presence in, in so, so tangible, like he's, it says he was walking in the garden and they knew it. 
it was right there. And he would talk to them. Uh, and they, they had this walking, talking relationship with God. And the reason I think we desire it is because it was meant to be that way. And, and that got broken. Genesis 2 verse 25, it says this. Now the man and his wife were both naked, but they felt no shame. So we're going to focus on the second part. Um, they felt no shame. No shame. They felt no shame. Genesis 3 verse 7, after sin happened, here's exactly what happens as soon as sin uh, affects them. As soon as they make a decision to say, we, we want to be Lord ourselves, we want to make our own decisions. It says, at that moment, their eyes were opened and they what? They suddenly felt shame. Man, shame is such a, such a nasty master. Shame comes in. It says they felt shame at their nakedness. And so they, they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. You know, as soon as sin entered the picture, shame came along with it. And they covered themselves with fig leaves thinking, we got to do something about this. Uh, where do we go with our shame? Not to God. We, we got to fix this ourselves. Verse 8 says, when the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man and his wife, they heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. My hope tonight for me and for you is that you'd hear the Lord's voice tonight. That on the inside, there would be not just, oh, hey, we went to church, but that you, that you heard his voice right here. It says, um, they heard him walking about in the garden. What did they do? They hid from the Lord God among the trees. He came, God came looking for them. But they hid, they hid, and, and that's what guilt and shame makes you do. Guilt and shame makes you hide. Uh, and, you know, the good news is we read a few verses later, I don't have it posted, but as you read a few verses later, God's not real happy with how this all turned out. He's, he's heartbroken because he can't, he can't um, uh, be in connection with sin, and so he's forced to, to have them leave this beautiful garden he designed for them, this beautiful world, this beautiful relationship that he had is now, is now broken. And he doesn't take it out on them. He does say, hey, because of sin, there's going to be consequences and punishment. It's going to hurt. It's not just going to hurt you. It's going to hurt every one of your children from now till eternity. He says, but he looks at the serpent and he says to the serpent, but you, the cause of all of this, one day her kid is going to crush your head. You might bruise his heel, but he is going to crush your head. And it was the first inkling that God had a plan in place to fix what had recently gone broken. And it would take a few thousand years, but the scripture tells us that just the right time Jesus came. It was just the right time where he came and he did just that. He crushed the head of, of sin, crushed the head of, uh, of evil. Luke chapter 19, Luke writes about it and says this. He says, for the son of man, Jesus came to seek and save those who were lost. That's why he came. That's why Jesus came. He was looking for lost people and he would ultimately take our guilt and our shame. He would take the guilt and the shame of Adam and Eve and every other person. And he would defeat it on a, on a cross. It says he despised the shame of what it was like to hang naked on that cross for us. And he went through with it not, knowing that he didn't have to, but he did. But you know what? What I've seemed to have found is that it seems like guilt and shame still make people want to hide. Even though it's been completely dealt with on the cross. It makes... Jesus' followers want to hide from him rather than seek him. Do you ever feel like that? Just me? I do sometimes. It's one of the things that sometimes hinders me from going deeper with him. And what I realize is that it's a good reminder today, this right here, of what he's done for us. And as we look at the scripture today, it's a good reminder of, of what he's done for us. Because as a, as a Jesus follower, sometimes I think we forget the power of the good news you know, we heard it, we made a decision to follow it, and then somehow it gets, it gets slowly eked out sometimes. You know, that's some, the question for you, and we've asked it many times, but if you're a Jesus follower here today, 
You say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. I've committed my life to Christ. How righteous are you today? Just want to do a test. How, you know, back then, you know, you were completely forgiven. How are you doing today? Maybe you start thinking back. You're like, oh man, like I woke up this morning. I stepped right in that cat vomit as I got out of bed. I, I can't remember what word I said, but it wasn't, it wasn't good. You know, maybe you're here and it's like, it wasn't the cat. It was my kids. <laughs> I told them off. Maybe it was what you said to your spouse on the way here. And all of a sudden your head's going through all the things. I don't know how right with God I am. I don't know how righteous I am. And maybe for you, you know, it's like, what did I say? What did I think? What did I do? What did I not do? And if your first thought goes to any one of those places, you're forgetting what the gospel is really all about. You're you're misunderstanding what the good news is about. If you were today to look in the mirror, maybe you had a horrible day. Maybe it's like that, 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 you know, you've been living free from a sin for, for a long time. And all of a sudden today, it was like you just fell right back in. You're just like, oh, how did that happen? And, and now you're here hoping that you'll feel better as you, as you leave church. But for, for any of you today, feel like, oh, you know, I've missed the mark today. I've, I've sinned today, whatever it may be. If you were to look in a mirror, could you say these words? Man, I'm loved by God. Not because of how I feel, but because of John 3.16 and what he says about me. You look in the mirror, I'm like, I'm his child because that's what John wrote in John 1.12. I'm a holy saint. I'm like, I'm like a hot mess. I'm holy. I don't, how can I be holy? I haven't, I haven't lived perfect today. Maybe it's the thought, you know, could you look in the mirror and say, you know what, I'm a brand new person in Christ. According to what Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I'm free from the guilty verdict. There's no, there's no judgment coming for me according to Romans 8. I'm God's masterpiece. I'm not a mistake. I'm not an accident. I'm not, man, I'm his masterpiece. Can you say those things? Nobody wants to answer that question. How come? Those are all true. Those are all true of you as Jesus followers. Those are things that are true because of what he did, not because of what we did. Our righteousness isn't based on what we've done, but it's based on what he's done. Are you convinced of that? Are you convinced of that? See, because what we actually believe is way more important than what we say we believe. What we actually trust is way more important than what we say we trust. Here's an illustration for you. There's a guy named Charles Blondin. Charles Blondin used to walk the tightrope across Niagara Falls. And one day he was walking across the, the falls doing his newest stunt. He came from the one side to the other, pushing a wheelbarrow full of potatoes. And he was blindfolded. And he got to the end and he said, everybody, the crowds were cheering and he said to them, how many of you think that I could push a man across this, uh, this, this waterfall on a wheelbarrow? And they're like, yeah, we believe you could do anything. And he's like, all right, who's getting in? You know, because it's so easy to say, yeah, I trust that you could do that for someone else. And it's so, so important when we hear truth, you know, that we realize the truth and that our, that our trust remains wholehearted and fast in the truth of his word and the truth of the gospel. Because the enemy tries to sneak it away and sneak it out. The enemy loves to get you focused on you. He loves to get you focused on your sin. He loves to get you focused on that. Why? Because when he's got you focusing on you, well, and when you focus on you, you'll find out that you're not enough. And if you go through life looking back in these things where, this, where guilt and shame start coming on, uh, on your life, I can tell you 100% you are focusing on you. And then we get into our like fig leaf fixations. And I can do something to fix this. I'll just, I'll do something. I've got to do something. I'll fix it. You know what? I won't do that again. I'll do this. I'll do this instead. And and what happens is it begins to open up a door to guilt and shame on your life that you were never meant to carry. 
all of a sudden it gets that spark like, oh man, I'm just a rotten sinner. Ever been there? Let's not ask that. Have you ever heard any other Christians say that? That's safer. Yeah, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. (laughs) You know, some think that guilt and shame is actually God at work in your life. I remember remember people going to church and they, they would say the more guilty they felt, the more powerful the presence of the Lord was. They went to church and it's like, oh, they got beat up. You're dirty, rotten, serious. They leave. Oh man, it was good. I felt bad. That doesn't usually happen here. But guilt and shame are not the way that God works. If you're a believer, a Jesus follower, and you feel guilt and shame in your life, it's not how he works. You know how we know Romans chapter eight, Paul says this to the Romans, Romans eight, one, there's no condemnation. How much? No condemnation. What is condemnation? No guilty verdict, no condemnation. None of this um, guilty verdict for those who belong to Christ Jesus. I'm a Jesus follower. There's no guilty verdict for me anymore. John 3, verse 16, he says, This is how God loved the world that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him, who trusts in him, won't perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, what? Not to judge the world, not to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. If you wonder, he goes on. John writes this, verse 18, there is what? (laughs) Uh, There's no judgment. No judgment against anyone who believes, who trusts in Jesus. It says, but anyone who does not believe or trust in him has already been judged for not believing and trusting in God's one and only son. You know, sometimes we think that, you know, there's all these sins. People are sinners and they're going to hell for these sins they've committed. It it isn't about that. There's only one sin that keeps us from him. And that's simply not trusting in the work of what he did on the cross. You know, but some of you might say, well, didn't Jesus, didn't Jesus say that Holy Spirit's going to convict the world of sin? He said, yes, he is. He's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness. His job when you don't know Jesus, and maybe you're here tonight, you don't know him. He's twisting that knife on the inside of the fact that we are sinners, that you're a sinner, that, there's, that you are separated from him, and he desires relationship with you, and it'll twist that. And you may not feel great, but that's the first step of the good news. After you become a Jesus follower, he's not in there meddling, twisting with your sin, saying, hey, you got to try and get your life. Get your life cleaned up. I've saved you now. Now fix yourself. He's not. He's working so hard to try and make you realize that you're righteous in him, that you keep getting your eyes off of you and onto him because it's an identity issue. You know, if you've put your trust in him, do you know what he calls you? A saint. Saint Mike, Saint Tracy, St. Jesse, got a good ring to it. Some of you are like, do you know that you're a saint as a Jesus follower? (laughs) If you did, you'd be like, yes, amen, I am. But that's how badly I think this thing affects us. We sit and we wonder, we hope it'd be true, but I I don't know that God thinks of me as a saint. You know, (laughs) okay, okay, I'm a saint, sure, but I still sin sometimes. So what does that make me? What do you think makes a sinner? Someone who sins? Did you know that Jesus doesn't think that way? See, we think that sin, sinning is what makes us a sinner and the enemy has a heyday with that. Why? Because he can do this. You know, you're a Jesus follower. You sin. He's like, you're out. Okay, I, I, I repent. Well, you're back in. Till next time. Nobody else goes through that? You wonder, God, you know, my saved God, do you love me? Because we look at our own behavior. You're in, you're out. 
You're good with God. You're not good with God. You're right with God. You're not right with God. I come back to my question. How righteous are you right now? I'm 100%. How about you? Why? Because it's not based on our behavior. It's not based on our behavior because it's not good news if you're in and you're out and you're in and you're out and you're in and you're out. Jesus told people in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32, he said this. He said to the people who trusted in him, you are truly my disciples if you'll remain faithful to my teachings, if you'll be in my word. That's one of the reasons why we want so many people to be in his word because here's what happens. He says, if you're in my word, you're going to know the truth. You're going to know it for yourself and that truth will set you free. That truth will set you free. When you begin to read and know truth for yourself, you'll realize the truth is this. Everyone's guilty at some point in their life. I was thinking about this. I don't know if I can set this on the recording, but even the person, even the person who thinks without Christ that they're the best, most moral person ever, really they're just the cleanest piece of toilet paper in the sewer. I don't know if it's awesome, but I had that thought today. Because it's not about us. That would be me. It is a different way of putting it. I won't say that tomorrow. (laughs) I know, and maybe you're here tonight, you're not a Jesus follower, and that was completely offensive. It probably was. Um, but, But my thought behind that is that there is no hope for us morally to try and do things on our own, and here's why. Here's why. Romans chapter 5, Paul said this. It was, yes, Adam, back to him. Adam's one sin brought condemnation for everyone. But I thought you said there's no condemnation. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. These are very different groupings of people. There is condemnation for those who are not in Christ. There is judgment coming and there is wrath coming for those of you who are not trusting in Christ. That's why we're doing what we're doing. That's why we care so much to say these words. And maybe you may not like to hear them, but it's because I care about you. He says, there's... (laughs) Adam's one sin brought condemnation to everyone. I can't point a finger at you because I'm in the same boat. Condemnation came to me, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a, a right relationship with God, which is righteousness and new life for everyone, everyone who trusts in him. He said this, verse 19, because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. Just remember that. But because of one other person obeyed God, many will be made righteous. See, the, the, the whole thing of sinner, sinner and saint, I tried to draw a little diagram here for you. If you can throw that up there for a minute. Did it, does it work? There. Yeah. So sinner, this is where we all end up in this category of sinner. Did you realize that a baby, before they even say their first word, they are born in this category of sinner? Like, oh, they're so innocent. No. Because you don't have to teach them to be selfish. You don't have to teach them to be greedy. You don't have to teach them anything. It's all in there already. Why? Because... Is it Lady Gaga who says that? We were born this way? You know, this is where we were born. So, but he says to those of you who put your trust in Christ, you're not in that category anymore. This is what I mean by you. If we're born in here and we try and be moral all on our own and just be a better person, we're still stuck in this category because we don't get out of this on our own. There's only one way out and it's simply by trusting Jesus and by trusting in him, by trusting what he did for us. You show that next slide. We end up in the other spot. It's the only way out. And we become a saint. Born again. Maybe you've heard those words. You become born again into something else. You were taken out of sin, which was a category, to a brand new category where he calls you saint. And it wasn't anything you did. It's what he did for you. Simply by trusting in what he did for you, you end up in a different category. Thanks to Adam, we're born into the category with an identity of sinner. 
But thanks to Jesus, we're born again into the category and identity of righteousness. And you know what baptism is? That's that thing of saying, this is what that trust looks like. I died to my old life so that I might come alive to him, to being new in him. Truth. Another truth is you're saved by his grace, not your behavior. You did not behave your way into becoming a saint. You weren't a better person and that's why you're a saint. Paul wrote to the Ephesians, said this, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. Just read those words out. I just meant the yellow, but that was great. Who saved you? God saved you by his grace. When you believed, when you trusted in him, he did something on the inside. He says, you can't take credit. You just received a gift. Salvation's not a reward for the good things we've done. None of us can boast about it. Here's what he's saying. By grace, you've been saved. You're not saved by changing your behavior, by being a better person, which is good news for us. You didn't, you didn't get saved because you got better on the outside. You got saved because you trusted him in his death and resurrection from the inside. You were born again into a new family. You went from one category to the other because something happened on the inside. And for some, you're like, you know what? This is really good news for you because you feel like you're in this category of trusting Jesus, but you feel like you're always on the edge. You're always on the perimeter because you haven't got all your behavior figured out yet. And you think, you know, Every time I screw up, I think God's kicking me out of the family. Do any of you parents do that with your kids? Your child, they're growing up, they're taking their first steps, and all of a sudden their first word is mama instead of dada, and you're like, that's it. You know, or they, they all of a sudden, the first time they steal something, you're like, okay, that's it. Reese, you're not a Vanduer anymore until you get this sorted out. Then you can come back and be part of the family again. Any parent do that? Let's change that. Any good parent do that? <laughs> we, we, we don't kick our kids out of the family. How, how much more would our, our heavenly father, he says, would he be kicking people out of the family because they didn't get their own stuff fixed out? He says, that's not the way you got into this family and it's not the way you stay in the family. He says, the way you got in was by trusting. The way you stay in is by trusting. Yes. How many... <laughs> How many, how many of you would uh, picture it like this? Skydiver, here he goes. He jumps. Anybody skydived before? It's incredible. You should try it. Uh, he's jumping out and skydiving. You get to that place and you're 4,000 feet above the ground when the parachute opens. You're like, oh, oh, sweet. Now I know how to float in the sky. I got this. Let's cut the strings. How many of you would try that? No. Why? Because... How you got there is how you stay there. By trusting the parachute, he's floating. By continuing to trust, he stays there. And Paul said it this way. My old self, been crucified with Christ. It's been dunked in that that water. It's no longer I who live. Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by what? It's how I live this new life. I trust him in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because the truth is, you didn't, just, you didn't just change some behavior. You changed your identity. And identity matters. Because if you think that you're a sinner, what's the most likely thing you're going to do? Sin. He says, I don't want you to think of yourself as a sinner trying to stop sinning. That's not your identity anymore. You are a new creature in Christ. You are now a saint. 
who's been given the authority over sin. It's no longer your master. You, don't, you are now a saint who's simply resisting and fleeing temptation. You are not who you once were. Like, but doesn't Holy Spirit convict us of sin? He sure does. You know why? Because sin still leads to death. It still leads to death. He'll convict you, but he won't condemn you. If it's guilt and shame, it's not him. Guilt and shame always comes after the fact. He'll warn you beforehand. You know, Galatians 6, it says this. He says, sow to your flesh, you're going to reap destruction. I'm warning you, don't, don't go back to that life. It will be bad for you. Romans 6, he says, you become a slave to what you obey. He says, you, you died and were buried with Christ so you can be dead to sin and alive to him. His conviction says this, run from sin, flee from temptation, seek his grace. Condemnation will say, you're no good, run from God, hide from him. That's where shame will always take you. The enemy's going to keep pointing you to you. He's going to keep pointing you to try harder, you'll get it one day. That's not Christianity. Holy Spirit will keep pointing you to Jesus. Because that's where freedom is really found. And that's where life is found. Hebrews, the writer to Hebrews said it. We cast off all the sin and the weights which so easily ensnare us by keeping our eyes on Jesus. And so often we forget. And what happens? The enemy says, ah, you missed it. Shame on you. Shame on you, you liar. You stealer. You cheater on that test. You cheater on your spouse. You luster, whatever it is. You addict. Shame on you. Do you know what Jesus says? It wasn't about your behavior. It never was. It was about what I did for you. I I took your shame to the cross. And so shame off you. Shame off of you. Don't keep walking that way. You don't have to. Come to me. The enemy will pour on the guilt because it'll keep you hiding from relationship with God. But Holy Spirit's going to keep drawing you to him to walk with him so you don't fulfill the desires of your flesh. Tomorrow there's... Two people getting baptized who recently became followers of Jesus. And so I've been hanging out with them, spending some time with them. They told me this week that they used to be into, um, they used to be drug addicts not too long ago. And as they went back to, uh, to the city this past week, as they were walking there, some of their friends who they had, had uh, always done drugs with before were trying to offer them drugs. And they looked at it and said, I don't even need that anymore. And they just, the, 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 the gal, she said, as I saw the, the drugs being offered, she said, not today, Satan. <laughs> not today, Satan. I just love that. Man, what a, what a I've been saying that all week. Uh, for anything, like, not today, Satan. What a powerful thing that his grace has given you the authority. Not, not today. Not today, Satan. You know, you've been born into sin. You didn't have a choice in that, but you do have a choice in what happens next, that you could be born again into Christ. Sin, it leads to death every time, but he leads to life. He leads to life. So closing, I don't know if that was short or not, but two groups of people are here today. Two of you here today. There's a group that we would say, sinners born this way. And your, your Christianity or whatever, your life has just been, I'm trying to be a better person. Maybe that's why you came tonight. But can I tell you something? Jesus is not telling you, hey, clean up your life. Get your act together. Try to be a better person. He's saying, would you just come to me? Would you trust in me? Put your full trust in me. Not in what you can do, but what I've done for you. To repent, which means change your mind of saying, okay, you know what? Yeah, I realize that I've been born this way. There's brokenness in me. There's rebellion in me. There's this thing called sin in me. I know it. 
And God, I'm sorry, I want to, I want out of that and I want to live for you. I trust you because I couldn't do it myself. Would you, would you save me? And he will, he will. It's not some specific prayer you got to pray. It's a heart saying, God, I just want you and not that. And to the Jesus followers here today, I believe he just wants us to know his voice, to know his word, to know his voice clearly, that there's no more hiding in the shadows when shame comes your way. If guilt tries to come on you tomorrow, tonight, his thing is not to hide, but to seek, to run straight to him, to run straight to him, to know who you are, to know whose you are, to seek out that deeper relationship with him because guilt and shame are trying to take you further away. Close with this. Amazing words from amazing man. Paul wrote these, Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we, we've been made right, we have been made right. Past tense. How righteous are you? Amen. How righteous are you? 100%. 100%. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by trust in him, we have peace with God. There's no guilt. There's no shame in the way. We have peace with him. Because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us, and because of our faith or that trust in him, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. So when guilt and shame come your way, and they often try, what are you going to do? Are you going to hide? Or are you going to seek? Are you going to hide? Or are you going to seek? Hide? It always looks the same. You focus on you because you're the only one there, and you'll be feel empty. But that reminder of the gospel is if you seek and you focus on him, I can tell you something. You're going to be filled with joy, peace, grace, forgiveness, gratitude, praise, life. And the list goes on and on and on. To the Jesus followers tonight, reminder, keep your eyes on him. Keep your eyes on him. We are in a battle for lives. Lives that are with eternity in mind. I'm pumped about the baptisms happening but I believe it's the beginning of many greater things in this place as people come to know him not come to church don't ever forget what the gospel is that they would come to know him if you're here tonight and you feel that tugging on your heart to know him please come talk to me I'd love to uh, pray with you introduce you to Jesus I'd love for you to take that those first steps in following him Holy Spirit will move right on in and do the rest in your life. But don't get trapped or stuck in thinking this is Christianity is just show up and go home. You'll miss the greatest part of it. Can we pray? Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for the good news. Thank you that it's not just a good news message once, but that as we hear it and as we allow our lives to be continuously affected by it, that it would draw us to you. Lord, for the times where we miss it, I'm just grateful that you make it right. Holy Spirit, thank you for drawing on us, drawing our hearts to focus on Jesus and and to walk with you. Lord, we live in in difficult times and different difficult places and things all around us. Lord, darkness all around us. Thankful for you, the light of the world, shining in us that we might be the light of the world pray as we go from this place that people would see you in our lives and through our lives. They'd see the freedom and the hope. Lord, and may we have the words to share for the questions that they ask. They might have the chance to experience your salvation power.
Jesus, thank you tonight for Jordan. Thank you for what you've done in her life. Thank you for what you've done in our lives. We give you glory because we couldn't do it on our own. You're the only one who deserves the praise for it, and we gladly bring it. It is in your beautiful name I pray. Amen.